It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the College Football Podcast here on Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim Berenger. We'll go around the gridiron, around campus. I have a special guest with me today, Zig Fercasi, host, anchor on Sirius XM NFL, Sirius XM Sports. Zig, welcome to the podcast. Jim, good to be with you, man. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Anytime we're chatting college football, we're... NFL, NHL, always a good day, my friend. It is. It is a good day. Absolutely. And uh, we are here talking some college football. And, you know, we're through seven weeks now. And, man, I got to say, probably the game of the year, at least game of the week last week, maybe game of the year until something else passes it by. Oregon, Wisconsin, uh, Oregon, Washington in the Pac-12. What a game. Oh, my gosh, yeah, it was absolutely phenomenal. You know, it was back and forth. Huskies got the early lead, then Oregon ultimately would make their run. 
uh, battle of two of the Heisman hopefuls, obviously, with uh, Michael Penix Jr. and uh, Bo Nix, who's really found a career there at Oregon after struggling a lot at Auburn. It's so ironic, Jim, that this is almost like the golden age of the Pac-12 in the final year of the conference, considering we're going to have all this mass migration, whether it's to the Big 12, whether it's to the Big 10 and everything like that. So I guess they're going out with a bang, but that game was just so up and down, up and down, came down literally to the final player plays. That That's how you like it. That's how you know that it's a big-time game. Washington winning at home, and uh, Coach DeBoer has really done a terrific job reviving what I thought was at one time kind of a stagnant program, especially after when uh, Chris Peterson had a little bit of success with it. But really, guys, since the time of the late 80s, early 90s, when Don James was the coach up there, that UW hasn't exactly been a national figure, but I think they are again under Coach DeBoer. Yeah, I mean, the Huskies played such a great game. And Michael Penix Jr., if you didn't watch him at Indiana, man, you're, he's coming in the national spotlight now here in Washington. Absolutely. I mean, he's put he put a Heisman performance together. The front runner right now, I mean, it's early, but you could say he's the Heisman front runner. And Oregon on the other side, I mean, Dan Lanning owned it. He said we were too aggressive. Some play calls inside the red zone kind of cost him some points, field goal here and there. But you know what? I kind of like the aggressive play. But again, sometimes you want to take the points when you have a chance to. Well, some, you know, and that's a good point you bring up, Jim. I mean, I understand, you know, analytics is a big part of what we do now, uh, not only with college sports, but also pro and whatever sport that it really is. But sometimes you have to go with your gut. Sometimes you have to go with what logic tells you. Or what, you know, you if you're worried about what X or Facebook or Instagram says about you, then maybe you should find something else to do. But if the heart or head says, the head says go for, th- go for three, the heart says go for three, take the points, whatever the case is. In fact, you can revert that to Sunday night, NFL, how the Giants botched oh. that first half ending against the Bills. You have got to take the three there. You've got to be aware of what's going on. Same thing happened last night with the Cowboys. I actually think McCarthy made the right decision going for three. But back to the college, and I appreciate Coach Lanning, like you said, owning it. But there are times, Jim, where it gets to be a little bit too aggressive. Take the points. you got to have a feel uh, and a flow of how the game's going, and especially a game with that much importance to it. Uh, there's some instances I'm sure Coach Lanning would want to have it back. Yeah, exactly. Because it was only a three point game. I mean, 36, 33 come down. That's one field goal, especially I believe there was get to overtime, figure out what happens because anything can happen in the college overtime. We know that interception, whatever. But like the big one that sticks to me is you're on the goal line. You get stopped like and Oregon's defense was starting to hold Penix and that Washington offense in check a little bit. And they started to take over the game. And I think the aggressiveness, you know, they tried to end the game. I understand it, but you let them back in and you gave them a lifeline and Michael Penix Jr. took it and Washington now sits first place in, in the Pac-12. I mean, I know USC's there because, you know, they're still undefeated, but I, I expect their uh, undefeated streak and their undefeatedness in the Pac-12 to come over real soon. Yeah, and <laughs> I think if anything, they got a blueprint of – uh how to defend Caleb a little bit. And, you know, we saw what happened in South Bend on Saturday night. Give Al Golden and 
Notre Dame a boatload of credit, forcing Caleb into three interceptions. Those get you know turned over into points, and obviously Notre Dame put a nice little butt whooping on USC. And I think, quite frankly, Jim, they were due. I mean, the week before, Arizona should have beat them. You didn't even go back to the Colorado game. You allow 41 on the road. Even against Arizona State, uh, USC wasn't all that uh, all that impressive. So uh, I think in the final analysis, I'd probably say in a very, very good conference, Washington's probably the best team right now in the Pac-12. I agree with that. I think Washington is the best team in the Pac-12, and you said it before. What a renaissance. I mean, it's a shame that they're going out. This is the last year because just imagine if leadership and they just let everything play out. I think the TV deal they could have gotten and keep this conference together because there's so much good talent, so many good teams. And it's a shame because I didn't expect Arizona to put up another 44 points on Washington State. Right? That yeah. was very impressive. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, you'd, you'd have thought, too, after, you know, the heartbreaking letdown of how that game ended, it went triple overtime on Saturday night. But, geez, you know, to be able to go up to the, you know, the Palouse, and Washington State had been playing some really, really good ball themselves. But man, to put 44 up there and really just to do a hell of a job. Uh, you know, Jed Fish is a guy that's kind of bounced around a little bit in the coaching ranks. But uh, tell you, he's got something going on there at uh, down in Tucson. So keep an eye on Arizona going forward. Their quarterback's not the biggest guy, but he seems to have a lot of spine, a lot of heart. He's got a good combination with uh, the receiver there. I believe they both played uh, together at high school in the L.A. area. So uh, Arizona could be a team to watch going forward. I agree. I think Arizona's a great team. And, again, we'll just go back to the final point on USC. I mean, you mentioned it. You're, they're giving up points left and right. You go back to San Jose State. They, I believe they give up 27. Give up 28 to Arizona State, 41 to Colorado. 41 to Arizona, that's not championship defense. And then they just no. got about another 41 to, to Notre Dame. They have to clean this up if they expect to be in the Pac-12 championship game. You know, and let, let's give Lincoln Riley a, a credit for being an offensive, you know, guru, whatever you want to call him. But if you notice, this teams at Oklahoma never played defense. This seems to be the same scenario going on uh, at U at USC and they they actually have some people uh, that are very very good on defense the safety uh, immediately comes to mind who I think's got a chance to be a pretty good player in the NFL but they just don't have enough defensive playmakers and maybe it's just the style you know you get caught into these uh, type of track meets I guess it's one of those things is you compromise the defense because you've got such a a-list performer in Caleb but you're not going to win championships like that. So uh, at some point, I think Coach Riley's going to have to find a little bit of a, you know, of a balance between having that high-powered offense and having a defense that it could at least make a few stops for you when the game is on the line. Oh, absolutely, 100% because of, you know, we saw last year they get beat up twice by Utah. You know, even go back the year before that, I mean – their defense needs to step up, and they got a big game coming up. Utah's coming in, and they're no slouch either. I I, who knows if Cam Rising's going to be back, but Utah even looks good without him in the lineup. And like we said, this Pac-12 conference is so deep. Anybody can get there. We hope that we get a rematch of what we saw Saturday. But, you know, you can't, out, you can't count out the Utes because they are the two-time Pac-12 champs. 
Oh, not at all. And, you know, we talk about, I, I think, a criminally underrated coach is Kyle Whittingham. It seems like every year he has them in battle for not only the Pac-12 championship, but also uh, in terms of being able to compete on a national level. I mean, let's let's face it, Jim, you know, Salt Lake City, probably a great city in itself, but maybe not the easiest in terms of recruiting uh, certain types of players or what have you. But the fact of the matter is they're one of the teams that actually plays a good brand of defense. Coach Coach Whittingham's defense, uh, he that's his background. I mean, before he became the head coach, he was Urban Meyer's defensive coordinator. So he has an idea of how good defenses play. They like to run the ball, obviously. Uh, you mentioned rising. Unfortunately, that young man's been injured quite a bit too. But that's a team that really, to me, is a is a tough out for all of them simply because they are balanced on both sides of the ball. And one more in the Pac-12 before we go back to Notre Dame. How about DJ Uyunglele's play at Oregon State? I think, you know, in yeah, yeah. Clemson, you know, maybe underutilized. Maybe the system wasn't as expected. Now, He's got the Beavers in a nice position in the Pac-12, and they they played really well. I believe they played uh, UCLA at home, and, and he stepped up, and he stepped up his game really well. I'm liking the system that's been put in place in Oregon State for him. Yeah, it's amazing what a, a change of scenery will do because uh, just for whatever reason at Clemson, you know, they did wind up ultimately replacing the offensive coordinator there, so... Uh, I think maybe Dabo realized maybe DJ wasn't the problem. I mean, if you remember uh, one of his early starts there, he threw for over 400 yards against Notre Dame in a game that they turned out to lose. But, uh, you know, sometimes a change of scenery is good. Oregon State obviously getting the uh, the best out of the young man. Seems like he's having a good time out there. And uh, saw, what was it, earlier in the year, they had a, a nationally televised game. It was on CBS and they just turned out to perform very well. So I think sometimes a change of scenery, you know, fresh air, if you will. Uh, the transfer portal's been an absolute gem for some of these guys, as we've seen. So in the end, uh, DJ maybe has sort of revamped some of his pro prospects, if you will. Yes, he has. Uh, Notre Dame, big win for them. I know right now kind of out of the playoff picture, but they needed that. And they were running a gauntlet of a schedule coming off that Ohio State game i mean that's a heartbreak to lose then you go down to duke what a game riley leonard you feel sorry for the kid he gets hurt Absolutely. but that was a heck of a game and then the louisville they i mean that's a, just a tough gauntlet and that's a, just a way to have a bounce back win against sc big opponent come in there and, and establish again i think um they got they get the running game going hartman still hasn't looked as good as he did in the beginning but i think going up against sc's defense really helped just a, a little synopsis there, Jim. I mean, you're going against a, a team, Ohio State. You played them tough the earlier, the first game, uh, the season before in Columbus, before Ohio State won that late. So, you know, it, it's inexcusable, obviously, what happened. The 10 men on the field uh, before the final touchdown, uh, two plays that. So that was that was bad learning experience. Uh, the force, the, the turnover you get against Duke, and then you, Hartman converts the fourth and 16, and then Estime blows the big opening for the touchdown. They they get the win there. Louisville, I knew that was going to be a tough game. People tend to not remember that the year before, Louisville did a number on Sam Hartman when he was at Wake Forest. 
So they know the guy's tendencies. And obviously, this was a big game for them. And sure enough, Louisville beat them in the end, beat them rather handily. Although, how weird is that? The next week, they go to Pitt, and the Panthers put a nice little butt whooping on them. So it just goes to show, Jim, any given week, anything can happen. It probably had to be a letdown. And in this game, people were saying, well, geez, why is SC an underdog? They're unbeaten. They're a higher-ranked team. But, you know, these Vegas Sharpies know what they're doing. And early on, the turnovers started to really pile up. Notre Dame wasn't great offensively, but they capitalized on those turnovers. They get the kick return late. You know, people tend to forget, you know, this is still Marcus Freeman's learning period here. And so another signature win for them. If they get run the table, maybe they get a nice New Year's Day bowl game, but it's clear uh, things are on the ascend at Notre Dame. Yes, they are. Marcus Freeman, great coach. Uh, so glad he got the position. Uh, when they came in, thought they were going to pull it out his first game, too. And, and uh, I think they were playing one of the big bowl games. And uh, I, just a letdown they lose. I believe they played Oklahoma State. Am I correct in that? Yeah, they. Yeah, that was the game. Gosh, uh, Jack Cohn, who was the transfer from Northwestern, threw a robust 68 passes in that game. That's, I mean, that, that's high. Yeah, it is. And, and they wound up blowing that game. And then, you know, obviously uh, they had the full year last year. You know, and and they had some tough losses. I mean, you can't you can't lose to Stanford. You know, you can't lose to Marshall. But a, again, you know, I, I said this all along. This is like, you know, you get your you get your learner's permit, and then you get your license after getting the permit, and your first car is a Porsche. You know, normally you get the clunker. You know, the beat that around a little bit if you bang it around, and then oh, if you're good, then maybe you upgrade cars, Jim. But geez. You know, this is like giving him the Porsche and crashing it, not knowing the full, you know, mechanisms of how to drive the damn thing. So it is what it is, but uh, progress has been made. And uh, obviously, uh, some people still think Notre Dame's a top 10 team, even with those two losses. But, you know, to each his own. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, some people think they're an overrated team, but you know what? Viewership says people watch them, love them or hate them. People are going to tune in to watch Notre Dame. Right? national team. Absolutely. A hundred percent national team. And they'll travel to any bowl game Absolutely. that they go to. I mean, they, I, I think I was out here when they played uh one year pinstripe bowl against Rutgers in Yankee stadium, the, the crowd, the, the fans traveled for that game. I mean, not a great venue for a football game, but I mean, it was fun to see the atmosphere of the Notre Dame fans come out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've been, gosh, since, you know, obviously since Rockney way back when, and then, you know, being on national TV and, you know, having their, uh, at the time, an exclusive deal with NBC and all that. They are, they are like one of those like national programs, like a Bama is, you can make a a case, maybe USC has a lot of prominent alumni all over the place. And it it is what it is. Like I even tweeted out here, uh, on X, you know, Notre Dame, I guess, had 4 million viewers or whatever the case was. I says they still draw the eyeballs because they are still they're one of those teams are like the Cowboys in the NFL. You either love them or you hate them. And people who hate them want to see them fail spectacularly. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is what it is for sure. Oh, 100% with Notre Dame. Um, you mentioned Bama. Too, was it? Were everybody writing off Nick Saban a little too early with Alabama? I mean, they still got some issues there offensively. But uh, Jalen Milrow seems to be turning a corner, but they're still not 
looking like the Bama team we expect, but I think it was kind of expected that this might be a down year for them. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. You know, it, it all comes to the quarterback. And, uh, you know, they've had their run here the last few years, whether it was Mac Jones, whether it was Tua, whether it was Jalen Hurts. I mean, these guys ultimately became first-round picks. And then when, you know, I, I raised a few eyebrows, or the, it raised my eyebrows, I should say, when, you know, they're tr- looking at Tyler Buckner, the former Notre Dame transfer, of course, played – uh, for Tommy Reese, who's now Saban's offensive coordinator at Alabama, I'm like, geez, is Nick that desperate for a quarterback? Because Milrow, he's got the talent, he's got the size, he's got the arm. But I've heard from people I know in in watching from a pro perspective that he's a one-read guy. In other words, he locks in on the one receiver and he doesn't check off to a second or third option, which is not going to get it done. And I mean... Yeah, there's been instances this year, even even this past week, you know, that game came down uh, to the to the final seconds. But I, I guess we're at this point now where if you don't win pretty, then all the games pass saving by and this and that. They got one loss. They're still they're still Bama. They're still Nick Saban. And, you know, let's face it. Do I think they're as talented as Georgia or some of these other teams? No, but still. You've got the coaching acumen of Saban, although I think going forward now you wonder with NIL and really how long Saban's going to stay down there at Tuscaloosa. You know, now they don't have such a monopoly on getting these four- and five-star recruits. I think NIL and all that's kind of, and the transfer portals really kind of changed the game, maybe because we got tired of seeing Georgia or Bama dominate every year. So now everything's a little more spread out. But still, Bama's Bama, and they will be a force going forward. Yeah, you mentioned it. It seems like every week with the poll, the pollsters anyway, the AP, this is the one year I've noticed where if you don't win pretty and you're one of those teams to expect to win every week, you're going to move down in the rankings. And Bama was one of those teams, and they have yet to move out of 11. Even though they're still winning, they're still not in the top 10. And, it, you know, kudos to those guys for, you know, breaking down the games the right way because, look, there have been years where like, ah, maybe this guy should have moved up. Why did this team? Now we're seeing a little bit more consistency in the pollers. Yeah, and it is, again, those rankings are what they are. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where uh, maybe because people have been so spoiled for so long that Bama was so dominant. But in the end, again, there's still a, a formidable team of course, in a very, very good conference. Still think Georgia is the gold standard, although now I'd be curious to see how they go forward, especially without the star tight end Bowers. Looks like he's going to be uh, out for a little bit here. But again, does Kirby Smart have enough guys in his tank here uh, to maybe make a three-peat for a national championship? It, it hasn't been done since those Minnesota Golden Gophers, and we're going back to the 1930s. <laughs> Way back, yeah. Way back. Some, yeah. I brought that stat up to somebody, and they're like, where did you pull that one out? I said, stat books, and it hasn't nice. been done in a long time. But speaking of Georgia, I, have you been impressed with them this year? I mean, it's tough to three-peat, but, I mean, Kirby Smart's still a great coach, and, you know, Carson Beck looks comfortable now. But they, you know, it seems like some games they sleep through sleepwalk through some games they want to get up for. It's just tough to get up for every game in college football. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, their first couple of games, you know, UT Martin and Ball State, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they're they're, they're playing, uh, you know, the 30s Minnesota Golden Gophers by any stretch. Uh, the Auburn game, I thought maybe they kind of lollygagged a little bit. Uh, Vandy, gosh, they fell down 7 nothing early in that game uh, against the Commodores. Uh, but then, like I like to say, reality set in. So, I mean, to be 7-0 and at this point, it's going to be really good. Of course, you think they'll be motivated this weekend or the following weekend. Jim, of course, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party when they face Florida in a couple of weeks. Although the schedule gets a little bit tougher. Uh, Missouri's on the docket. Ole Miss at Tennessee. Those teams, Jim, those next three are in the top 25. And then you got their uh, traditional rivalry with uh, Georgia Tech. So um, I think Beck's been a little bit undervalued. A lot of people are saying, geez, he's not this great quarterback. But you know what? They continue to win. And these guys tend to rally around him. So uh, Georgia, again, I think it's going to be very, very tough. But, man, that three-peat would be awfully nice. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we haven't seen somebody go for it since USC. And they came up short. And that was a heck of a championship game, if those remember it. Best game ever I've seen. And I've been watching uh, 100%. this for about 50 years, you know. 100%. One of the best games I've ever watched. Witness, Vince Young, Texas team, and... You know, big weekend this weekend. You know, the big Big Ten East, it always comes down to three teams, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. We're going to get the first of the matchups this week, Penn State and Ohio State. You know, Ohio State hasn't looked great. They're starting to turn it around a little bit. Michigan seems to be the best team, but can they deliver 
when it matters if they get to the playoff. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, this has got to be the time where, you know, James Franklin has done a really good job under the circumstances. Obviously, he came after O'Brien after, you know, what happened there, the horrific thing with Sandusky and Paterno at Penn State. And they've really kept this program near where they used to be. But you've got to have a signature win at some point. This has to be the time, if you will, it's for Penn State to really say, all right, we're back among the big boys. We're, we've been kind of flirting on the outside of it, but to beat Ohio State in Columbus, national TV, that would be the statement game. And, and Michigan, they look awfully good. You know, the, the, the McCarthy, the quarterback there, Harbaugh just absolutely loves him. I saw something on the internet basically saying that he, he thinks that he's one of the all-time greats now. And that's even, you know, a compliment because Jim Harbaugh was a pretty good quarterback in his day at Michigan. And, you know, let's not forget either, uh, you know, Michigan, they, they, they're, they're this program that had been dormant for a while, kind of irrelevant. Harbaugh, I think, has got them on the verge. But they're another team, Jim, like, like I just said with Penn State. You got to have that signature win. It's really good to make the national playoff. But now, to get in there and to have that signature win, I think both Michigan and Penn State going forward are, are on watch. Like It's nice, but now you got to be able to do it. Do you think if, and it's a hypothetical game, but you never know, mm-hmm. do you think if Michigan falls short and doesn't win a national championship this year, do you think Harbaugh goes to the NFL and coaches again there? Hmm, that's a really good question. I, I don't know if he'd want it. I mean, he was there, obviously, uh, ascended San Francisco to the championship game, almost pulled off that great rally against his brother John in uh, the Super Bowl against the Ravens down in New Orleans. And maybe the lights don't go out this time. But as I digress, <laughs> that, that was still the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But Me too. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I think he's, he's there for... Michigan for the long term. I mean, if you even looked at Jim Harbaugh when he got back to Michigan to now, and if you have visuals of the iconic Bo Schembechler, Harbaugh has morphed in the bow with the Michigan hat, the glasses, even a little bit of weight increase over the last few years. Every time I look at Harbaugh on the sidelines, I see Bo Schembechler, for goodness sake. So I think Jim Harbaugh's in this for, for the term. Uh, unless something just overwhelms him to get back to the NFL, he, he's got it made in Ann Arbor, so I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, I just want to make sure because I, I hear his name always like just thrown around. Oh, Harbaugh's going to go back. I'm like, oh, of course. I mean, look, these guys could make it a career in college coaching and just stay there because you could be like we saw with Paterno and then everything happened with that. But you stay there, Bobby Bowden down in Florida State. Went Saban, back, you know? yeah, he, and he's turned another program into a powerhouse. Yep. And they're still alive, and let's see if what they do. And then in the Big 12, I mean, you know, again, we talk about final years. How about Texas and Oklahoma and their final year in the Big 12? It's like a resurgence there. For so many years, those teams, eh, Oklahoma was there, but it seemed like somebody else would come along. It seems like they're owning that conference again. How about how about that game they played a couple of weeks ago with the Red River rivalry down in Dallas and 
just, you know, coming down to the end, Dylan Gabriel, uh, you know, besting, uh, you know, the quarterback there at, at Texas. And that was just a, a really, really good ball game. And now both those teams, Jim, going in, you know, to the SEC, which is a ridiculously strong league to begin with. Now you add that cachet, but I'm really looking forward to, you know, when Arizona and some of these other programs wind up going into the Big 12, sneaky good league. You know, Iowa State's right there in terms of the conference leaders. Gundy seems like he's got Oklahoma State playing some decent ball. Uh, Kansas, one of my favorite coaches, Leipold. You know, he built up Wisconsin Whitewater. He had the University of Buffalo playing some relevant football. Now it seems as though he's doing his work again uh, at a predominantly basketball school. And, you know, it's been a little bit of a rough transition for like a BYU, uh, Houston, Cincinnati. It's been a little bit of a rough transition, but I think once they start getting their footing, if you will, I think the Big 12 is going to be a very strong football league, even with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. I agree. I think the Big 12 is going to be a conference to watch. They still got a great TV deal as well. And, you know, that's one of the big things like ACC teams have been talking about is their TV deal. And they're bringing teams in and the cross-country travel is going to be crazy for all these leagues. But North Carolina has got their defense back together again. I mean, last year their defense was not great. It was like USC is like, oh, boy, what can they do? But you got Drake May and that Tar Heel defense. Man. If they can get to the title game, maybe beat a Florida State, they may be in an, in the Final Four at the end of this thing. I mean, still a long ways to go, but I'm liking what the Tar Heels are doing in the ACC right now. Yeah, so that so-called basketball league, they can play a little bit of football. <laughs> it's, it's it's really. I went to the Clemson Duke game, uh, the opening uh, year or game of the year, because my uh, good friend and Sirius XM colleague Dusty Dvorak, uh, the former Oklahoma great, also does games for ESPN and ABC, and, you know, even Duke uh, is, is impressive in football. You mentioned North Carolina. I mean, they're allowing, what, just 21 points per game. That's a dramatic turnaround. Let's not forget Gene Chizik, you know, who was uh, the former head coach at Auburn uh, before then, uh, defensive whiz, and now it looks as though uh, he's been able to get the Tar Heels turned around. Of course, Florida State with Coach Norville, uh, they have gotten things in there. Louisville, even though they got trounced by Pitt, a uh, good win against Notre Dame for them. So very strong league. I think Clemson's in a bit of transition. You know, Miami, uh, just a brutal loss a couple weeks ago to Georgia Tech. That was inexcusable. And then uh, last week actually played North Carolina tough before uh, reality set in. So some good ball in the ACC. And again, North Carolina, one of my favorite coaches is Mac Brown and you know, you talk about going back. You know, he had a nice run in the late 90s. They were producing the Julius Peppers, the Greg Ellis's, guys like that coming out of that program. Looks like the second time go around there at North Carolina has treated Coach Brown very well. Yeah, I mean, they had a tough game. He even said it, I believe, after their last game against Appalachia State. Thank God we don't play these guys anymore because Appalachia State just gives them a run for their money every time. Oh, yeah. And it, well, I mean, we saw this... Uh, Number of years ago, what was it, Labor Day weekend? I remember an uh, old friend of mine, Scotty Wetzel, and I were doing a show on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio, and I kept telling him, I says, they're going to they're gonna hang with Michigan, if not beat them outright. He's like, you're out of your mind. The Wolverines are going to win by 50, yada, da, da, and then, boom, what happened? Appalachian State pulled the stunning upset, and I, I told him, I go, 
I wish we were still on the air that weekend because <laughs> I would have roasted your ass pretty good telling you about Appalachian State. But, yeah, they're just another of those programs. But you know as well as I do, Jim, anytime, you know, any given – gosh, any more every day of the week. Whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're in like a stretch now. I think it's like 50 straight days of football. It's It's unbelievable. But just back to your point, any given time, you know, games can be tough. You know, it's the focus. You know, you think, well, let's just roll the ball out and because Appalachian State's not us. We got all the big names, you know, things like that. That that could lead you to an upset. But, again, the good teams are the ones that prevail in the end. Staying in the ACC, you, you said you were there at Duke-Clemson. Talk about the job Mike Elko's done with that Duke program. I mean, nine wins last year. Uh, I believe they're having another good season this year, up to five wins, I believe, now. No Riley Leonard. Just talk about that team and what he's done. Well, I think you got to give a little uh, credit to Coach Cutcliffe, too, because yep. uh, David Cutcliffe was the one who really kind of got things getting back on the ball there because Duke had been forever, as we know, a basketball program, and it really hadn't been since Spurrier was there in the late 80s. In fact, I think it was the last time Clemson or a Duke had beaten a top-10 team like in the regular season, and it just so happened to be Coach Spurrier and that 89 team was on hand that night. So uh, that was that was very, very uh, inspirational. And, you know, you look at Duke, I mean, my gosh, 5-1 uh, and one on the season. They gave a lot of, what, uh, not even 59 points is it in, in six games. So it, it's been very, very good for them. Yep, I need my old man glasses. But, yeah, 59 points allowed, <laughs> which to me – says they're doing quite well. Um, Elko, of course, and I'm biased because I'm a Notre Dame guy, but he was on that staff a few years ago, and people loved him. And they they tend to play well for the 1999 grad of Penn. And then you've got uh, Riley Leonard, who, to me, I'm not sure he's a third-day draft pick in the NFL. He might be one of those guys you get as an undrafted free agent, but uh, in the final analysis, I think Duke has done uh, a terrific job. They, they've definitely bought in with the program there with Coach Elko and, and the job that he's done. Uh, Waters is, is a pretty solid back. And, you know, on defense, they've got guys like Freeman and Stinson, Jim, that I think uh, may draw some pro considerations. So it's really a steady job that uh, Coach Elko has done down there at Durham, North Carolina. And they got a big matchup this weekend when when they go to Florida State. That's oh, going to yeah. be a telltale test. sign. It's a big test for them and the Blue Devils. I mean, it's a big test for Florida State, too, because they at times have looked good, but at times have not looked so good. I mean, you go back to the Boston College game, you're routing the team, and you let them come back. Uh, you know, that's, that's not top 10 material. That's not winning material either. But, again, it's hard to get up for every game. It's hard to finish every game. But, you know, this is going to be a big test for both teams. Well, let's not forget, I mean, that Florida State game, yeah, like you mentioned, Boston College, I mean, they were they were chasing that game from quite the beginning. I mean, it, it was amazing that they were able to pull that one out there uh, in Chestnut Hill. But then the last couple of weeks, pretty solid win against Virginia Tech. Last week, they just did a real number on Syracuse, who, unfortunately, it seems like every year they start strong under Coach Babers. But now they're starting to fade. And then, you know, again, Travis, I think, is is a really good leader for this program. You need to have that. 
And just looking at the rest of their schedule here, Jim, there's no reason uh, Coach Norvell's team can't go unbeat. You got Wake Forest coming up after that, Pitt, Miami, North Alabama. Wow, North Alabama this late in the year? My gosh. And then you've got, <laughs> you've got, I mean, some of these matchups, like even like you understand that late, you know, earlier in the year, but maybe that was because they played LSU in the season opener. So I guess that kind of trades each other out. And then you close out with Florida. No reason for Florida State not to be able to run the table uh, and play in the ACC championship. And who knows, maybe get uh, a spot in the national playoff. Yeah, that would be unbelievable. I mean, who would who would have thought about get Florida State back in there? And because you know everybody's like, oh, they're back, they're back. Well, they haven't been back yet. Maybe this is the year they get back. Texas, they're so. getting close to being back. Exactly. And I tell everybody down, my friends, big time Miami guys, they're like, yeah, we're finally back. I'm like, you guys will find a way to blow it. You're not back yet. <laughs> You're not back yet. Yeah. And I'm texting them after the debacle against Georgia Tech. I'm like, they got to take a knee here. I mean, this that was. You go into North Carolina, if you're undefeated, okay, Absolutely. then you lose, okay, that's fine. But you can't lose that game. I mean, Georgia Tech always plays them tough, but still, you cannot lose that game the way they did. I mean, that's just a bad coaching error. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes, like we talked about a little bit earlier, being a little bit too aggressive or maybe just overthinking things or, you know, something gets lost in the translation, whatever the case may be. Jimmy, you just got to stick sometimes with your gut, stick with the instinct, stick with what you probably have learned, you know, go for the field goal or punt here. We've got to make them make, you know, whatever the situation might be. If we punt, then we drive them deep in their own territory. They got to burn their timeouts. Whatever the game situation is, go with your original instinct and not what uh, social media or the analytics might tell you. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this part, numbers don't lie. I was looking at it. I mean, it, it's not going to matter now, but if Louisville had remained undefeated in the ACC, there could have been a three-way tie yeah. for the top, and yeah. none of those teams play each other. That would have been very interesting to see. Yeah. You know, then you got to go, what do you got to go by strength of schedule or, you know, all the numbers that you laid out. And yes, that was when the old, uh, well, it's old now, but like the BCS, if you remember oh, that. I do remember the, that. Yeah, the computer ratings and, you know, all that kind of thing. I'm like, really? We're going to have a, a blanket computer decide this team over this one because the numbers look for their favor? Again, it is what it is, but now, obviously, was last year of the 14 playoffs yes. before we get to the 12 and – before long, it may be 24, but I digress. But Yeah, I know. Well, you mentioned the playoff. I mean, I just would like your thoughts on it. I know I've talked to some other people who's like, yeah, we're not, I'm not a big fan of it, you know, but again, it's better than what we had with the BCS. Do you think it gets past 12 to maybe just we stop it at 16 or could you could it go even further? Because I, I don't think more than 16 is, is, the, is the right number. Well, Gosh, I'm old enough to remember, Jim, when there was no playoff. It, yeah. was, ba it was based on the AP and the the great, late, great UPI at the time. That was how you evaluated things. It was, you know, that was that's when the rankings really meant something. But then it was determined that wasn't enough. So everybody hemmed and hawed about a system. But then you wind up getting a system which is supposed to make things more equitable well, geez, why are we letting a computer decide things and all this? So, 
you know, again, it's better than what was originally had. Uh, 12, I'm not a, I'm not a terrible opponent to. Um, I'm with you. I think if it ever got past 16, then I'm like, well, geez, why don't we just do this like the uh, basketball and have like this wickedly bad tournament? So you can't, you can't do it like that, like you would in college basketball. I would think 16 would probably be the limit. And if anything, it would benefit those particular bowls, I would think. So, you know, like if you got the, uh, the pop tarts bowl, maybe that actually means something, uh, in terms of the playoff as opposed to, you know, just showing up and having five and six, six and five type teams play. So I think 12 is going to be good. 16 might be my limit. So I'm with you there. Yeah, me too. I think it's just too much. And like, I got a feeling, even if we're at 12, you see some of these home teams that get these buys. I think they're going to want those home games on their campus. Eventually, we're probably going to have that if we go to 16, because you know, you know, after the first year, oh, well, they got all this revenue. How come we didn't get it? Like the big schools, like the Alabamas or the Georgias, be like, hey, I want that revenue too. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it would ever get to the home field. Yeah. As maybe it would just be a bowl game, like I like I just mentioned here, where maybe you know in years past, like a holiday bowl, maybe yeah, it would yeah. have it, you know it would have two decent teams, but this time it would be tied in to the playoff. And I don't know if they would do that geographically or not. Again, that's something that the NCAA has got to figure out. Yes, they do. Um, before we wrap up, I, I want to get your thoughts on what. Uh, Deion Sanders is done at Colorado. Obviously, big time loss against Stanford. That up twenty nine nothing. That's not really uh, a good loss at all. Uh, especially when you're on the verge of potentially getting within one win of bowl eligibility. Though six wins, I've noticed, doesn't really matter because they still take five and seven teams to these bowl games. Yeah, they do. My, me personally, I would love to see seven and five. That's the max. That's the minimum that you need to get to a bowl. But hey, I digress. But what do you what are your thoughts of Dion and, and it, what he's done for Colorado and college football overall? With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I'll tell you what, Jim. You got the predominant uh, color of green going there in Boulder. I mean, this has been a program that, quite honestly, you know, in, in some spots when Rick Neuheisel was there and some of the other years, uh, there were some competitive teams, but I think... Uh, this is a program that basically has been lying in the weeds for many, many years. And yeah, they probably took a chance on this. They they knew, you know, Dion was a pitch a salesman and all this and that, but also 
He's got the record at Jackson State to show that he got things turned around there. He created a buzz at a predominantly HBCU school that brought them attention, that brought them some money uh, for the coffers of the program. And sure enough, they did get off to that that really good start. And I honestly believe if Hunter, Travis Hunter doesn't get hurt, I think maybe Colorado wins another game or two. So the fact that he has awakened a dormant program, the fact that he's been able to bring attention and money to said program, you know, if if you know, I even saw Terry Fry, the great former writer up there in Denver Post, uh, would say that if you thought at this point, if you had Colorado at four and three, knowing their past history and everything like that, you wouldn't take that record right now. Absolutely, you would. So it's clear he's got that program on the rise. They've been even in their loss, like the SC game. I thought they were competitive. He knew that uh, the game against Stanford, though, he even had a bad feeling. He says, up 29 nothing. I just didn't feel confident about this game. But long answer to your question, he's created a buzz. He's created attention. Now guys may want to go to Boulder where they probably said, nah, it's too, you know, it's too cold up there. Maybe the uh, societal situation, let's call it, isn't great for, you know, uh, players of minority standing, although I think it's gotten a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. in the last 50, uh, 20 to 25 years. So there's a buzz, there's an interest, and I think Dion's there for a little bit. So it's clear he's done a terrific job and just the cachet of playing for arguably the de- greatest defensive back to ever play in the NFL oh. and all what he's brought. There's a lot of substance underneath what we saw through the years uh, of style with Dion. So it's clear Colorado's uh, trending in the right direction. Do you think his, um, you know, I, Dave Starman, you know, he does world junior coverage uh, on the oh, NHL that's network. Guy. Yeah. That's he he always talks about it when USA loses or team loses, coaches reestablishing the room. Do you feel like this Stanford loss allows Dion to reestablish the room because maybe the hype, the p- players are be- believing and reading the hype too much? I think so. You know, he, he's been. He's been in enough locker rooms throughout the years. He's probably he's seen his team slump and then realizes, you know what? Maybe I, I got to get things back together. Uh, we talked about that example a little bit earlier. Just, well, we're, we're Colorado. Stanford's no good. We'll just roll the ball out and our talent will, you know, supersede things. So I think it's one of those things. It's a, definitely a learning experience. If anybody thought Colorado was going to be a national contender this year, you're sadly mistaken. I mean, he redid this entire roster, and it's there's going to be peaks and valleys. So I, I'm with you there, Jim. I think he uses this as a you know teaching point. Like, all right, we we suffered this loss, but now let's refocus, try to get ourselves a decent ball or bowl game, and then move on from there. Yeah, absolutely, Zig. I agree with you 100 percent on that. And look, even if they only end up with five or six wins, that's a very successful season in Colorado, sure. considering. They only had one win the last several years in that Pac-12. Yeah, and, and again, this is a you know program that's been you know I, I think from a steady co- competitive standpoint uh, dormant since gosh the late '80s, early '90s when Bill McCartney uh, was running that program. When you had the likes of Eric Bieniemy coming through there and uh, 
Dion figures. I, in fact, I went back and watched that the other day, uh, uh, that ESPN 30 for 30 about that program and how basically they had to rebuild that program to compete with Nebraska and Oklahoma. In some ways, it's almost what Dion's having to do now. It's just we're talking about 2023 instead of 1983. Wow, that's that's going back a ways with, with, with that program. And I think they haven't been this relevant since the 1990s, I was reading. Right. So, I mean... He's doing a heck of a job regardless. Again, what do you whatever you think they're overrated, underrated, it doesn't matter. He's brought attention to that program and he's made them hey, they're on national TV. People want to tune in and he's doing a great job. And again, it's only year one, and then they'll move to the Big Twelve, and there's gonna be a lot of good football there, as we mentioned earlier. Although, Jim, the road, oof, uh, they've got I think they got a bye this week, but then uh they got UCLA, Oregon cool. State, Air. Yeah, th- this gets really tough. <laughs> UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, Washington State, and then Utah. Oh. So if, if they could get two more wins at least out of that, then they're really doing a hell of a job there in Boulder. Oh, absolutely. That's a that's a gauntlet of a schedule. I mean, it's compared to a lot of other teams around the college football, we see some of these schedules. But like you said, and we said it all along, you know, you don't know any given day. Any given Saturday, hey, it was uh, it was Friday thirteenth weekend. Maybe that's why we that's saw right. so many crazy games. I don't know, but uh, Zig, this has been a pleasure talking college football with you here on the Full Press uh, College Football Podcast. Jim, yeah, I always love the interactions that we have on X at Zig Sports Voice. Of course, you do a terrific job also covering uh, the Devils and the National Hockey League, and which is my passion, of course, the NHL, and then. Obviously, pro football talk, but yeah, Chet, college football. This has been a pleasure, my man. Absolutely, I'd love to get you on the uh, the hockey podcast as well. We talk Bruins, we go around the league as well. That would be Anytime. absolutely fine. Absolutely, that's great, guys. This has been around the gridiron, around campus, the college football full press podcast. Get it? iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, it'll be up on the Full Press Radio Network as well. Also on YouTube, guys. Enjoy college football this weekend, Zig. Thank you so much. And this has been Zig Vercasi, Sirius XM NFL and Sirius XM Sports. Check it out again. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Take care, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.